They felt like they were being drawn back. And before we're too critical to them, we've all perhaps done that. Not so much as maybe the law, but we all revert back to what we know. Peter, when he denied Christ, after his conviction fell, he perhaps felt the lowest in his life. And the Bible said, Peter said, I'm going fishing. He went back to what he knew. Different fishing, Becky, different fishing. He went back to what he knew. And we do that. You and I have tasted the abundance of God's goodness. If you're a believer in this building, and you're, you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have tasted the good things of God. And as the Bible prophecy predicts, the church would grow a little stagnant. You're neither hot nor cold. That's where we are in, today as the church of Laodicea. We forget financial issues. There are many issues. And it's the, it's, the ins, it's the whole nature of the old man that when we are faced with tragedy, we, we revert back to what we know. Rather than turning to God, we go back to what we know steal our time and enslave us. They enslave us. We're captive to it. I often wonder why the age, I guess the, the date, uh, the, the average age of death is decreasing. In other words, Americans are not living as long as they used to. It's because we have everything. And we come to the scripture and this writer, many people vary on who they think it is. We really don't know. God doesn't tell us. So speculation does really none of us any good. But whoever this writer is has an intimate knowledge of the law and the Old Testament. Many of the rabbis would teach, one of the teaching methods rabbis would use is a series of contrasts where you compare the differences between one object and another object. The rabbis would use this often in their teaching because it's a good teaching tool. You and I perhaps do it and don't even know it. Uh, when I was young, someone taught me when you're going to make a major decision, you get out a piece of paper, you draw a line down the center of the paper, you put reasons why I should not, reasons why I should, and you list all those reasons. You are contrasting. You're contrasting. And as we go through this text, the writer has, he has taught us some very weighty things. He's dealt with the sacrifices. He's dealt with all the Old Testament imagery. He has done all these things. But he wants to let those believers know. That, listen to me. He wants them to know that as a believer in Jesus Christ, you have blessings that are not afforded to anyone else. And based on those blessings, you and I should be different than the world. 
we have a definite response to those blessings. Verse 18 says, For you, he's making this very personal, for you have not come to the mountain that may be touched and that burned with fire and blackness and darkness and tempest and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words so that those who heard it begged that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. For they could not endure what was commanded. And if so much as a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned or shot with an arrow. And so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I am exceedingly afraid and trembling. In Exodus chapter 19, you don't have to go there. I'm just going to tell you quickly. In Exodus chapter 19, they're at the base of the Mount of Sinai. God has instructed Moses to come up on top of the mountain. He says, I'm going to visit the people. He scared the people to death in so much. And this is what I want people to see. God is not some grandfatherly figure in heaven, you know, just all ooey-gooey like Popo. He is a consuming fire, the writer says. The people were terrified. In so much as they said, please don't speak to us anymore. Speak to Moses and he can relay it to us. God says, I'm going to reveal myself to you. But don't touch the mountain. When I'm on the mountain, don't touch it. Even if an animal gets on that mountain, you shoot it with an arrow. You kill it. The Old Testament saint never got any closer to God than Moses. Than to the high priest. They never had an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And for 12 chapters, the book of Hebrews is telling us that Jesus is better than all of that. And he tells us, why in the world would you want to revert back to that? Why would you want to go back to that? You have been set free. And then he says, but you. But is a contrast. It means we're going in the other direction. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels. What people were restricted to in the Old Testament, they were restricted from seeing God, from experiencing God, from having a relationship with God. You now have access. You now are not like them. The Holy Spirit is inside of you. And you are a citizen of heaven. This is not your home. 
This world is becoming increasingly more evil every day. It's not a political battle. It's a spiritual battle. And the devil works in conjunction with your flesh to destroy you. To convince you that back then is better than now. That if you go to church and wear a tie, if you go to church and carry the biggest black Bible you can find, that if you tithe of all of your income, you will have access to God. And I stand before you and tell you, rubbish. You have access to God because of the mediator of the covenant, the blood covenant, Jesus Christ. I had a tie on this morning. I haven't been able to wear a tie. I thought, I'm going to look good for church. I asked Harry, and I picked him up, and we went and got a cup of coffee and had some fellowship on the way. I didn't get out of his driving, raining harder than it was this morning. There was a gentleman out there, no shirt on, and he was having ticks from withdrawals or the medicine. It was obvious. Walking down the road. I don't believe, and Harry and I discussed this, I don't believe for one minute that man woke up that morning and said, today I'm going to try out drugs and I'm going to become dependent upon them and I'm going to be a drug addict. Not for once. I believe there are sincere people who have come to faith in Christ who have been addicted to things. I believe they're believers and it took over their life. And I believe they went home and were finally set free from it. I believe that. And here, church, is the real issue. Until we stop looking at Christianity as something I do and start realizing and living Christianity as something that God did for me. We're going to that mountain that's forbidden and we're pulling ourselves away from God. I am no better than that drug addict walking down the road. I'm just forgiven. I have entrance. I have citizenship in heaven. Now, that's not it. I want you to look at what he says. This is you. You are a member of Mount Zion. You have a home in the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. That's the eternal state. In Revelation 21 and 22, the new heavenly Jerusalem coming down out of the sky. That's the eternal state. That is your permanent residence. You are merely passing through this earth. You, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news but at most you will live to be maybe a hundred if you're lucky on this earth. And I would be foolish. I enjoy life. I just have to be honest with you. I love living. I love this time of my life with grandchildren. I worry about them. I worry about the world that awaits them. That's why it's important that we have children's church. That's why it's important that we don't quit Sunday school on Sunday night because it's the trend. It, that's why we have Wednesday night Awana. And the kids are just as important on Wednesday nights in the summer 
as in the wanna season. And you and I are foolish if we think that the devil's not after our kids. We are part of that. To an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn. That's his church. We're members of that who are registered in heaven. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are on the registry in heaven. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, never to be blotted out. Listen to this. To God. You have come to God. What once we were not allowed to do. We don't have to look for a cloud or a pillar of fire. We can come boldly to the throne by faith and have fellowship with God. Have relationship with God. The judge of all to the spirits of just men made perfect. Other believers. It always amazes me. Someone, you know, people, it's humanity. We get after each other's throats and sometimes you don't like someone. You think, man, our church church would be better if they'd leave. You're going to be in heaven with them. I guarantee you none of that foolishness will go on in heaven. Amen. And it's a good thing I'm not God. Because I'd put y'all's roommates for eternity. I'm just saying. But I'm the same way, man. I'm flesh. But look at this next verse, 24. You have come to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. You have come to the sprinkling of the blood. When Jesus presented His blood to the Father as a satisfactory atonement for our sin, you've come to that. That speaks, that blood, speaks better than the things, than that of Abel. Now listen to me. Remember Cain and Abel? Remember the Bible says that his blood cried from the earth? What was it shouting? It was shouting justice, revenge, vindication. But what's better than that is Jesus' blood. What's it shout? Redemption, forgiveness, eternal life. It's so much better. But we want to go back and we want to do the things of the law. Well, I like this. Well, you know, one time, and they're not here, so I say this. One time when we first started, we had this screen in the middle and we had the projector and it would come down and we were singing songs. And someone approached me after church. This person's not here any longer. And this person said, I I don't like us singing with that screen thing. And I I said, okay, what's wrong? She's, uh, the person said, oops, the person said, There's no music notes there. I said, well, I didn't know you read music. She said, I don't. Okay, so are the music notes sacred? You're touching that mountain that can't be touched. You're going to the wrong mountain. You're going to the wrong mountain. 
And all the gobbledygook, all the legalism in churches has taken us away from the main thing, and that's Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Paul didn't say, I preach so on and so forth and all this and all your little rules and regulations. No, Paul said, I preach Christ and Him crucified. Why? Because if someone comes to Christ, they're a new creation created in Christ Jesus. They're not the same. They're new. As a matter of fact, to the people of that crowd, Jesus said, you're nothing but whitewashed tombs, full of dead man's bones. You look good on the outside, but inside you're as dead as a doornail. And I've never seen a doornail, but I'll tell you this, it's dead. Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant. What makes the difference? Jesus changed everything. It's the single greatest thing that's ever happened in the world. In so much as we, we mark time by Jesus' death. Before Christ, A.D. translated into English means in the year of our Lord. Now they want to call it common error. They want to do it away with B.C. and they want to call it common error and take away those terms. It's the single greatest thing that ever happened. The death on the cross of the Son of God who died for your sins and my sins. And He has set us free. He took that blood. He sprinkled it on the uh, altar. He made us perfect because of His death on the cross. He put us as a citizen in heaven. We have been adopted into the family of God. Why in the world would you want to go back to that mountain? Why? Verse 25 says, Because of all these benefits that belong to you, see that you do not refuse Him who speaks. You see, it's easier to keep rules and regulations, right? It's easier to say, I go to church Sunday morning, I give, I don't treat, mistreat people, see, I'm a Christian. It's easy to do that. Let me tell you something What's difficult is to live your life, every day of your life, every breath that you take in an abiding, thriving relationship with God in which He is speaking to you through His Word and the Holy Spirit and you and I are being submissive to that. That is hard. Because you have the same problem I have and I want to be in control of my life and you want to be in control of your life. And the Lord puts something on your heart to do this and you think, well, I'll do it later. And you never do it. And you miss that opportunity. See that you do not refuse Him. For if they did not escape who refused Him, who spoke on the earth, much more shall we escape if we turn away from Him who speaks from heaven. Listen, you Judaizers that want to go back to that. Do you know what you're doing? You are not listening to Him. You are not following Him. To be a disciple of Christ means you follow Christ. Being a follower of Christ means you didn't just pray a prayer and you know you go to church and everything's fine. Being a follower of Christ is, means you follow Him every day of your life. Every day of your life. And if you turn away from that, you turn away from your relationship with Him, you are not going to have the peace that you could have. Now, he goes to links to show this, and I want to try to put it in our understanding and vernacular. So listen with me here. Verse 26, he says, Whose voice then shook the earth. When God spoke, it shook the earth. But now he's promised, saying, Yet once more I'm going to shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. There's a shaking coming. This is a promise. And he doubles down on verse 27. Now this, yet, this is the word, yet once more, 
indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken. Listen to me. Please look at me. Just for one minute, I'll, I'll, I'll hurry up. I'm hurrying up. Life. You ever watch those cartoons where one picked up the guy and shook him and his pockets fell out, all the change and stuff? There's a shaking coming. And anything, and this is it. This is what the, this is what the writer's trying to say. All too often we put our trust in those things that we shouldn't. I.e., if I have money in the bank, I'm going to be okay. If I have good health, everything is okay. I'm going to trust that this, this, this spouse I've been praying for, I've been praying for all my life to have a spouse, and this person's come into my life. And I'm going to trust that it, he's the one. Trust in God. Whenever these little gods get in our life, there is going to be a shaking that takes place. Why? Listen to me. Because you are part of the unshakable kingdom. And guys, we have to be honest. We have to be honest. We can pretend like everything's rosy and we can pretend like everything's good, but we know in our lives that we have all this gadgetry, all these material things that's enslaved us, that keeps us from that intimate, abiding, thriving fellowship with Christ that we should have. I guarantee you this. And I'm just using this, I'm not preaching, I'm just saying this. If we said the opening night of Awana, Jesus Christ was going to be here in person, and you can see Him, touch Him, feel Him, and it was a legitimate offer, you couldn't get in the building. Wouldn't be able to get in the building. But you know what? The Bible tells us that He's everywhere and His Spirit lives inside of us. And every time we meet, His Spirit is with us. And if we have faith, we don't have to touch Him. We believe. We don't need sight. We operate by faith. And so God is going to bring shaking in our lives and shake those things loose of our lives so that we can realize that the Mount Zion that we are a part of is better than anything else. You can find the finest country club in the United States or in the world and it pales in comparison to being a citizen of heaven. I remember when I was an insurance adjuster, I was working with an insurance company. A very affluential lawyer took some of us golfing in Columbus at Muirfield Village. I am from Lawrence County, Ohio. Muirfield Village is where they have a pro golf tournament. Men there tip more than my annual salary. I get out of my company car. I get my golf bag out. There's grass all over it. My clubs are, you know, used. And the guy starts washing my clubs. I didn't know what to do. I had like $2 in my pocket. And Kendall was just a baby. I had like two bucks in my pocket. They buy my lunch and everything. I said, I didn't know. And so I tried to offer the fella a tip. That's all I had, two bucks. I mean, I was literally giving him my last two bucks because I felt like the podunk I was. And uh, I'll never forget it. The guy said, oh, no, sir, just enjoy your day. The attorney took care of everything. 
Listen to me. You can't buy your way into heaven. And when you get there and you try to tip whoever, they're going to tell you, no, 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 no. They're going to tell you, no, 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 no. The mediator paid it all. Jesus paid it all. Now listen to me. I sat with a pastor last night. Every pastor I talked to says, hey, how are you all doing since COVID? I think we're doing pretty well. But I will tell you this. Things did change after COVID. There's a lethargy and an apathy in the church where they don't care. Other pastors have told me, it's like, if things don't get done, they just, they just don't care. And I don't know if it's we, we were locked down that we felt like if we don't go on vacation this year that we'll never be able to go on vacation because they're going to lock us down again and all this to where all this takes precedence over the Lord's work. Come back to the mountain of Zion. Come back to realizing that you're a citizen of heaven. What is it going to take for God to shake those things out of your life to where he's number one? What's it going to take? <laughs> Repeatedly in the, in the Old Testament, God would refer to the Israelites as a stiff-necked people. A people that was rebellious. Why were they rebellious? They were going to the wrong mountain. Why are you rebellious? Because you're going to the wrong mountain. What you're doing right now that takes all of your time that you love and you can talk about it with everybody and you can do it, one day is going to pass and something else is going to be in its place. There's only one lasting thing in our lives that's consistent that will take us all the way through and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Yet we are forcing Him out of our lives every day with all of this other stuff in our lives. And we miss it. Why? Because this once more, this shaking that's coming, indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken. If we belong to a kingdom that's unshakable, as the next verse says, then everything that's not kingdom is shakable. It's all throughout the Bible. Faith. Believing in what you don't see, your eternal life, your eternal inheritance, or materialism, all these things that we love. In one of John Piper's books, he talks about a man who worked all his life and he retired and he was a member of the church. And rather than retiring and serving the Lord, he moved to the beach, which sounds incredible. Can I have an amen there? Y'all don't know this, but a church called me in Bradenton before I became the pastor here, Bradenton, Florida. And one of the interviewing questions he asked me was, do you fish? <laughs> I said, do I fish? I don't catch, but I fish. Um, and God knew that on the Gulf Coast, I probably wouldn't be pastoring. I already had it envisioned. I was going to get a boat and name it Visitation. Where's the pastor? He's out on Visitation. <laughs> and I'm in Sioux County. And I love it. And I love you all. But I want to tell you this. All those things are shakable. All these things are shakable. I was a little league president for many years, and my biggest response, I remember one year we were going to let the kid that sold the most tickets throw the first pitch an opening day. 
there was a big ruckus. And I, I finally, I said, forget it. I got a veteran. I found a veteran. I said, this veteran's going to throw the first pitch. I had a mom come to me. She was madder than a wet hornet. I don't know if hornets get wet or not, but he was mad. And she said, we, you told us that you saw. I said, ma'am, we haven't counted the tickets yet, and it's already a big mess. I'm going to have that veteran over there to throw the pitch, and we're going to honor a veteran. And she went on. She went and got her husband. He come back. And they said, we did this, and we told him. I said, wait, wait, wait. You told him he'd win. We didn't tell him he'd win. Now, you tell him he didn't win because he didn't sell the most tickets. You tell him. Not my place. I'm through the veterans. And all throughout, I remember the Little League president, everything I did, all these parents, some of these parents, all they wanted to do was their kid. And I'm talking to like they, T-ball. Man, I can't, he's going to play college baseball. Are you kidding me? Right now, he's chasing crickets. If you ever watch T-ball, it, it's, it's, I know it's your kids and you love them, but it's like hoarding cats. Or herding cats, I should say. Not hoarding, herding. That's a whole other message. <laughs> but we have all these things that we think will matter. If we, we, we get this, you know. Like, man, I tell you. I don't know how many people I've talked to. I love the Reds. And they're winning, man, and it's great. I'm not used to this. I don't even know how to act. You know what I'm saying? I just keep waiting for some, the other boot to fall, right? I just keep waiting. I told Sister Janet, Brother AC would be in hog heaven. He'd probably be testifying. He loved the Reds, and I loved, I, I loved AC. And I, I, you know, I don't know this, but I get been out of shape the other night they lost. And I was like, why would, they, why would you swing at that? Why would you swing at that? And, and, and here I am on the couch criticizing this guy that they call the air bender because he throws a ball that looks like it's coming down the middle and right about a foot before the plate, it breaks like almost two feet, which is if you anybody in here that plays baseball, you know that is like, wow. And I'm like, why'd you swing at that? And we get all bent out of shape over this. But you know what? When's the last time we've been bent out of shape for someone's spiritual condition in our own fellowship here? When's the last time we really... Listen, I'm going to tell you what. You need to come back to the Mount of Zion, church. We need an infusion of, the, of a, an old-fashioned Holy Ghost revival in our lives where Jesus Christ is Lord of all, where we realize all these benefits that because we don't have to go to that... We don't have to stay away from that mountain. He has invited us to come to the Mount of Zion. You can come to Jesus Christ. You can live... You can have that abiding, thriving relationship with Him daily, but these shakable things that's in your life needs to be shaken up and removed so that we realize only what's unshakable matters. I mean, if someone comes to you today and says, you're going to die Friday... All the things between now and Friday would probably revolve around your relationships with your family and the Lord. And you'd know that all you have left is the Lord. Brother Ken Massey, he's not here today, but he's helping. Uh, he's a retired school teacher. He was bored, and one of the funeral directors asked him to help. And he said, well, yeah, I'll help. I, I, I taught most of these kids in Willersburg. And 
And he was telling me, he said, no, I want to tell you something, Pastor. He said, there's a vast difference between a funeral of a, loved, a lost one and a saved one. Amen. And I've preached both, and I can tell you it is the honest to God's truth. Grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Here's the conclusion. Since we're in this unshakable kingdom, we're a part of it. Number one, let us be grateful. That phrase by which we may, or, or which cannot be shaken, this phrase, let us have grace, literally means be grateful. When we stand up here and sing about an awesome God, and all the songs are directed to God, and we're lifting His name up, and we're lifting Him up, we're grateful. We're grateful. We need to get to the place in our lives, guys, where, listen, our, our gratefulness, our gratitude to the Lord is, is ever-present in our life. Every day we thank Him for everything. It should not be a chore to pray and thank Him. It should not be a chore to, number two, serve Him. Serve Him. Let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably. Some translations interpret that. To worship you will find in the Bible, the words for serve and worship are very close and used interchangeably all throughout the Bible. To serve the Lord is to worship Him. Service is not passive, it's active. Worship is not passive, it's active. There was an old preacher. <laughs> I ain't, never mind. It's too bad. Old preachers can get away with saying things that young preachers can't. Let me ask you a question. Are you grateful to God that he welcomed you in to the kingdom that's unshakable? May I ask you, are you serving God acceptably with reverence and fear? Guys, listen, there's a time to be serious. Our land is one big joke. Our land is one big joke. And I, listen, I, I was watching the television. They had a commercial. I was appalled. They have a drag show competition game show now. There is no elementary student on the face of this earth that should ever have a, a reading time at the library with drag queens. And I will tell you this, whether you leave or not is not my problem. That's between you and God. If you take your child to one of them, shame on you. You need to get your heart right has nothing to do with politics. It has everything to do with being right with God. And I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to take it a step further. We've been watching some things on television as Christians we shouldn't be watching. Things that are not really, we don't think that's bad. Everybody talks that way, do they? The Bible says let our, our speech be seasoned with salt. Are you serving God? Are you serving God? Do you have a reverence and godly fear of Him? Do you worship Him? See, we've lost our reverence and our awe. The English Standard Version translates um, uh, reverence, I think, or reverence with awe, A-W-E, an awe of Him. Verse 29 says, For our God is a consuming fire. There's going to come a time, and please hear me, 
when everyone in this room stands before God. Now, you won't stand there because of your sin. Your sin was judged on the cross, but you will stand there for a reward or loss of reward, and you will face him face to face. Your sight will be the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Lord, the kingdom. Yes, I've had setbacks, but Lord, but when I got set back, I stopped, I confessed, I repented, and I moved forward. And then there might be some who stand before him and say, Lord, I wasted my life. The fellow in John Piper's book, I tell you the end of the story. He, rather than serving the Lord, retired and went to the beach. And they said, what are you going to do at the beach? He said, I'm going to spend the rest of my life collecting seashells. Seashells are wonderful. The beach is awesome. But how would you like to stand before the Lord and say, Lord, look at my seashells? (laughs) Ridiculous. He created them, right? He knows what they look like. What's your answer? Lord, uh, I I, uh, had all this time, and rather than serving you, I thought I would do this, or I would do that, or I would have this, or I would have that. Really? Our God's a consuming fire. We have deified men and humanized God. And I'm telling you, we're not better because of it. We're worse. And church, we're a place where we've heard there are two mountains you can run to. But only one has access to God. Only one has the peace that passes all understanding. Only one, only one has what we need to get through this life day by day. Now you choose which mountain you run to. But I think as I've been praying in my life and for everyone I know, And for every church that I know that we could have a God-sent Holy Ghost revival where the church, revive means you have to have something that's waned, that needs rekindled. That the church can rekindle her fire for the Lord Jesus Christ. Not so that we earn it, but because... Because we are citizens in heaven and all those benefits. If you were to stand before Christ today, in good confidence, could you stand before him and say, Lord, I stayed on a mountain with you every day. I was in your word. I was fellowshipping with you. I was serving you. I love you more than anything. I'm devoted to you. Most of the revivals, if you read church history, most of the revivals, they were not started by affluential people. They were not started by great flaming evangelists. In some instances, they were 20, 23-year-old men who stuttered. Jonathan Edwards had pop-bottle glasses. They said his glasses were so thick it was distracting. 
He sat behind a desk and read Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, and people were in, in the floor clinging to the pew, thinking that they were about to fall into hell. And we today have skinny jeans. And we have props. And we have all this garbage that does not bring us closer to the mountain. What say you? Father, we love you. We ask you, God, to work.